today I am interviewing my third child. Your name is what? Here. My name is Bethany. And how old are you, honey? I'm 28 years old. 28. Bethany is one of the most unique individuals I know. I probably would say that even if I wasn't her mother. She amazes me. Half of the time, I wonder where she came up or does the things she does, how she gets the ideas she has. She's incredibly creative. But we are recording this actually on her way back to Milwaukee. I'm giving her a ride and we are utilizing this time to have a discussion. I love young people. I am a professor. I am a youth director, but I love my children the most. So it seems fitting that I start off this venture in my life my own children. So this conversation today will be honest on both our sides. I'm asking each of my guests to be 100% them and then let me be 100% me. So that's the deal, right, honey? Yeah. I, I hope that works well. <laughs> a little nerve-wracking, but um, anyway. So I guess, you know, the purpose of this podcast is called Give Me One Reason conversations about doubt and faith with millennials. So you are technically still a millennial. Still, right? I'm right on the cusp, but just barely made it. Yeah. So millennial. And um, can you tell me a little bit about how you were raised from your perspective? I can tell you how you were raised because I raised you. Um, yeah, so I would say that you and my father raised me um, in a Christian setting, definitely. I went to churches a lot up until the age of, probably up until I left high, high school, I guess, but I was born in Tulsa, the Bible Belt. I was born in Oral Roberts Hospital a couple weeks before it shut down. Yes, that I, is definitely one of your claims to fame. One of my claims, yes, that's why I'm... <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, and I remember, like, seeing people slayed in the Holy Spirit, um, being anointed with oil and falling down, and I remember the first time I saw that, I was pretty freaked out. I thought, yeah, I think it was maybe you I saw that happened to her. I was really oh freaked my gosh. out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no, is she dead? Like, I just didn't know what happened. I can't imagine. Right, but everyone around you was calm, so I was like, what's going on? Like, you yeah. fell to the ground, they just, like, the people, like, who help you, help carry you to the ground safely, and you just kind of lay there. It was kind of bizarre to see, but, um, I did, uh, <laughs> it was bizarre, but, um, there's a lot of beautiful things about the way that I was raised, though, when it comes to my mom and my dad, so that's, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I did naturally pray in tongues at the age of 12. I don't know where that went after a while, but I, I, I did do you, it. I remember you coming home to me and saying, Mommy, this thing happened to me, yeah. and I don't understand it. Yeah. And I remember um, praying with you to receive Jesus in your heart when you were at that little park. I remember that. I was like, do you four? remember that? I do remember that. I yeah. remember that park. I remember the park, and I remember sitting on a bench with you. Was it a bench? Uh huh. And then I think Ryan or Mikey was sitting, was like climbing on something they shouldn't yeah. be climbing on. And you were like, okay, so that would have been. We left there in '96, so it would have been in like '94, '95 that so that would have happened. So you were born in '89, right? So it was probably five or six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were old enough to remember it at least. I think I was baptized too. I don't necessarily remember that, yes. but I'm sure that I was baptized. baptized. I'm pretty sure Grandpa baptized you. That makes sense. Yep. I think so. Yep. Yeah. But also, I had I grew up with a sense of um, it wasn't. It was very uh, because of my grandfather's ministry, um, Overflowing Cup. It was very focused on um, helping the homeless and being a refuge for people who were kind of downtrodden. And mm -hmm. um, so I remember being in high school, driving around with some friends, and they saw this homeless woman, and they kind of made fun of her. And I knew that woman, like I knew her name. I had wow. hugged that woman, and so I was like, I, I know that woman. Like she, that's Margie. She has a name. Yeah. You know. So I remember feeling that disconnect between people when I was in high school. That there was like this distaste. If, you know, and I don't, I don't blame those people because they probably weren't raised the way I was, which is you know to have like a concern and care for them. So I, uh, I'm very grateful for that part of my upbringing as well. Can I tell you something about Margie? Oh, <clears throat> Margie was one of the sweet little ladies that we had in our ministry. Kind of a not really a little bag lady, but maybe sort of in a way. But she used to love to drum with her tambourine. Remember to the music? Oh, I do. But ironically, you bring up Margie, and she's been in your life pretty much your whole life. But um, I almost ran Margie over last week. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, me and Josiah. I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't have anything to do with anything. But people that are listening to me better get used to this, right? So, me and Josiah decided it was Saturday night. We hadn't been to the cup for a long time. And every Saturday night, there's a Christian concert or whatever. And, and we had also weekly ran over a woman. <laughs> so, no. So, we went there. And unfortunately, there was only like four cars. And I oh. thought, there's a really small crowd, which means we're going to get stuck. So, the parking lot is like an L around mm -hmm. the cup. 
So I decided that you did push record, right? Yeah. I did. Okay. Great. Okay. I decided <laughs> that we should peel out of the parking lot quickly before anybody sees us. Okay. Because I didn't want to get stuck. So I peel out of this parking lot, which is there's foliage and a fence on the left of me. And I was going way too fast. Okay. Probably, you know, maybe even up to 20 miles an hour, which out of a parking lot, that's awful. So I come up because you have to stop to check for cars. Thank God I stopped in time. Okay. Because I stopped an inch away from little Margie in her motorized wheelchair. And she looked as white as a ghost. And she said really sweetly, I rolled down my window and I said, oh my God, Margie, I almost ran you over. And she goes, you, you did. <laughs> and she was horrified. And oh my God, I felt terrible. And my Ryan or Josiah was with me and he goes, mama, you would have felt so bad the rest of your life if you would have killed Margie. And I was like, oh honey, there's gotta be a God because he covered my ass. That was terrible. That's oh, really funny and horrible. So, yeah, I know. She's still precious, still banging Aww. her tambourine. Aww, years later. Cool. Anyway, yeah, and we grew up with, you grew up with a lot of interesting people. Do you remember Greg being drunk in the bushes? Yeah, I remember lots of, a few <laughs> drunk people. I remember there was some, uh, there was interesting people in our congregation. and uh, We had Elvis impersonators. Yeah, we knew an Elvis impersonator. Actually, we knew three of them, but, <laughs> <No>. you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was very colorful in the way that, um, different people of different backgrounds add color to your life and yeah. variety and so it helps shape you to be a more well and also from you know the age of 12 I think I was 12 or 11 when you started the red door so mm-hmm. I would go with you to this to your church in this bar and um, I really that's also one of the most influential things in my life probably yeah. because I would create with adults and like we would do after or before the church services we would like draw or write poems together with like these 10 words and yeah, I, I used to give yeah. us all 10 words yeah right? and I literally did that last week I still do that to this day so I've been doing wow. that for almost you know wow over you know, over decade. half your life over half my life I've been doing if that you now. were 12 and you're 20 right yeah wow so I've been doing that for a long time now so that really shaped it so I, in a way that I always got along with adults more because of that yeah so really the weird the hardest adjustment was probably going to high school because I was homeschooled for middle school so sixth seventh eighth grade I was homeschooled and then I went to Beloit Memorial which had you know has about 2,000 people mm-hmm. had at that point so that was pretty big adjustment for me um and I just remember having it be difficult to relate to people my age yeah yeah a lot of homeschoolers do actually do better with adults because a lot of adults are their peers yeah. one thing I I was really glad you got to go to high school because you know you had the theater you were you would kind of turn into a little theater rat you yeah. like that and um but I remember the year before you went to homeschool, you were keeping track of how many books you read. Do you remember that? I do remember that. In your eighth grade year, you'd read like 313 or something like that. I, yeah. And great. then when you went to high school, you got to read hardly nothing because yeah. you didn't have any time, you know? So I, and to this day, you're incredibly literate. Mm-hmm. I do read a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was a different kind of education you got in high school. It was more of like, a, I guess, learning the social, how to... You get socialized people of your own age, which is which is helpful. But yeah, I mean, there was I loved being homeschooled. I loved reading as much as I want and mm-hmm. doing doing more individual based. And I but I did love theater. That was a great part of high school because I yeah. kind of developed my performative self. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, theater was my love in high school. Writing was like a secondary love. I remember you were always going to be an actress, mm-hmm. and I remember wanting to teach you to cook and stuff. And I was like, no, I was like, no, I don't want to cook for. My husband, like a like a you, you know, are always such wife. a little feminist. I know, yeah, but now I'm like, it's a pretty useful skill. Shit, I should know. <laughs> so it's that's kind of true. That's so true. <laughs> but it's okay. We all pay for our rebellions somehow. Yeah. But I remember you also used to say, "I don't need to know how to cook because I'm going to be rich and I'm going to have somebody cook for me." I totally believe that I said that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I can't really imagine you wanting to be rich so much, but you probably will be the first famous person in our family. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I think you're pretty. Pretty good for that first spot. Oh, honey, maybe if we race, let's race. Maybe, One okay, of us will get race. there. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll help each other out no matter how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so spiritually, I was, I always did feel grateful that we were part of the cup because you guys were always exposed to normal people, regular people, hurting people, broken people, and it, it developed a lot of compassion in you um, as young people and um, kindness and generosity and. Your, your character, I, I felt like it was, and you know, 
I was so glad that you were never negatively impacted that I saw, you know. The, the only, I was the only thing, I'll be honest, the only thing that I feel like I was, and it's not necessarily negative, but there was a gentleman in our church who was kind of weird, felt a little weird to me. I mean, I was like 14, so I was very self-conscious of my, you know, of myself, my body. Um, and I remember he would, you know, he saw me, he wanted to give me a hug and my dad was like, give him a hug. You know, he kind of told me to give this guy a hug and I didn't really want to. Yeah. But I did it because I felt like that's what my dad wanted me to do and that would be the Christian thing to do. Yeah. But that did, that does stand in my mind as something that I think influenced my boundaries. I think that from Mm. growing up in that environment where you are giving to people, even if it's not necessarily just you, you are in other ways, you know, you know, your mom and dad are the pastors and the worship leaders. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of become like this staple of the church and Mm. You have a lot of eyes on you, and you meet a lot of people, and that's fine. And I was never hurt or anything. I just remember that instance is affecting the way that I think about my body and my boundaries. Yeah. So, you know, after that, um, ever since then, I saw somebody at a grocery store the other day who knew me and tried to give me a hug, and I didn't want to, so I didn't give him a hug, and I don't feel bad about it because, you know, it's my body. So right. if I don't want to hug you, I won't. But, and so, that is healthy. I'm yeah. 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 So, so it's not even like a negative impact. It really just kind of shaped the way I look at boundaries, I suppose. Yeah. But, no, I mean, for all the different kinds of people we were around I was never hurt or yeah which is amazing because a lot of actually legitly sex offenders ex-cons drunks yeah and a lot of those people actually would have taken a bullet for you they loved our family deeply because yeah. we accepted them at a point where a lot of people didn't you know yeah true. but and I imagine there would have been times I took risks I shouldn't have but I was usually pretty protective and your father was but that was also a part of the culture I remember always give so-and-so a hug, you know, when you're yeah. little. And now that's not so much. And I think that's good. Yeah. That it's better that people are a little more, where children don't feel like they need to do that. They should yeah. want to do that. When my grandbabies run up to me and, Grandma, and then they don't let go, it's so much better than yeah. their mom going, give, you know, give Grandma a hug. I mean, yeah. it is sweet that she reminds them to tell me goodnight or whatever. I right. don't mean that. But on their own when they do it it's really precious it so. is and of course the, like there's no negative intentions meant I think my dad meant no harm at all by right, that he course. was just trying to to maybe have you act in a polite or um, Christian manner in, yeah. you know in this culture so I don't think that people most people realize probably most parents they would do that in the past because it is yeah. different now I mean consent is such a big thing now and I'm glad because yeah. we're having the conversations about it and we're realizing that maybe it does affect children if you're grown up expecting to touch or be touched by someone without really your choice that can maybe affect them in the present in the, in the future especially with yeah. females M- males too of course but females yeah. especially so yeah I, I see the connection there I think yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah. And me, I grew up with no boundaries, so it's like it made sense that you not have any either, you know, which of course was not healthy. But yeah, I, I, I'm really grateful looking back. I remember one time Mikey was coming home for Christmas from being with YWAM at the Mission Field, and he got a ticket to come home from some country where he was. And, and I'm like, honey, don't worry. Mom will make sure our Christmas dinner table doesn't have every Tom, Dick, and Harry at it. You know what I mean? And, um, he wrote, I remember it was an email day, and he emailed me back, Mom, please, the reason I'm coming home is because of the love and acceptance in our family and yeah. the people in our life that are random and interesting. And he said, I love telling stories about uh, people in our life. And I love that we know three Elvis impersonators. And <laughs> yeah. one, is, one was maybe the child of Elvis. And, you know, I don't know. I still believe that. I still believe it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's, but anyway. We, we won't disclose this information. But no, we, we won't. We believe that's his son. <laughs> we believe it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting too because we all reacted differently to the ministry and our upbringing in that ministry. Yeah. Because I feel like a few of us maybe would leave, do like it more when it's you know just the isolated immediate family. But then the other, there's some other parts parts of the family that really enjoy the kind of um, random and spontaneous feasts that sometimes happen at our house. So yeah, you never know who's gonna come through the door. Right. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, I had somebody say once, all you got to do is sit on the Price family's couch and watch the front door and you will it's all the entertainment you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, knock on wood, we were never hurt by any of those people. And a lot of them were, you know, convicted criminals in some level, you know. But, you know, people are people and they have a lot of needs. And I really respect that grandpa's, you know, left a legacy to me of outreach, to, you know, loving people where they're at. Yeah. Helping them along. And so, anyway. Well, that's awesome. And do you remember going to Awanas when you were little? I remember when, well, yeah, yeah, I do remember Awanas vaguely. Not very much, though. Really, what was yeah. informative was Cornerstone yeah. to me because yeah. I was a little older. And, yeah. um, and that was, like, this huge Christian music festival in Woodstock, Illinois. It's since been kind of stopped 
unfortunately, but at one point they had like 20,000 people attend. It was a really big deal. It was mainly like Christian, like it was mainly a underground. Christian festival. But yeah, it was very underground. It's very, there's a lot of screaming music, metal music, uh, emo, like uh, rock, very like heavy stuff. They had like a goth tent and they had like a dance tent and like a lot of my formative memories from It wasn't your typical like fish fest no, or no. it really wasn't even a family event. It was more like they called it Woodstock for the Christian generation. It was not like a family camping thing. It wasn't anti-family, but right. it was very underground. Yeah, you see a lot of weird of, hair, a lot of mohawks and pump people, and like piercings. leather piercings. Yeah, it was very, it was very interesting um, and very formative time for me. We were laughing about the t-shirts today that um, Lola didn't get the one Mikey had worn on body piercing saved my life. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she didn't come from a Christian context, so she just thought it meant like, oh, my lip rings saved my life. And we're like, no, actually, it's about Jesus getting crucified saved <laughs> right, his life right. as well as his. Yeah. And then that Mama's Boy, I love that shirt. It said Mama's Boy in big letters. Then under it, it said Screw Rebellion. I love my mom. And I love that shirt that he got that. But I remember being very concerned that it said Screw. Yes, I do remember that. Remember I do. that? Yeah, I, I do. was like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Should I let my <laughs> like, child wear that shirt? It's a little too secular. Instead of being so grateful that I right. have a teenage son who would want to wear a shirt like that, I was hung up on the word Screw. <laughs> Yeah, I used to think, you know, I was protecting you by, you know, not having you listen to secular music. But to your credit, you would let me read whatever I wanted. I mean, I did. Well, I knew when you said your favorite book was Lolita, (laughs) I should have shit a brick. Yeah, I did. No, but that's good. I think it's very important that kids let, I mean, you know, unless it's the freaking, you know, Mein Kampf or some shit. Yeah. I mean, it's very important to let your kids read because it's different than like images in movies. Those things kind of imprint in your brain. The books, you're, like, fostering literacy, obviously. You're fostering yeah. imagination. I don't think there's much attraction for letting your kid read pretty much whatever they want. I mean, just give them kind of free reign. Give them a library card. Yeah. I don't think there's anything really wrong with that. I think images do far more damage if they do damage. I feel like images are a little yeah, more... visual, you mean? Yeah, vi- yeah. yeah visual. I think visual uh, things could be more dangerous. But reading, I was very grateful they let me read what I wanted. Um, I remember one of the last years at homeschool, they got this great advice because I was homeschooling all of you at that time, and this advice was make sure your children are caught up in their math and spelling, which Michael did but then just let the, don't worry about history, science, some of those things. If you're burned out as a homeschool mom, and I was for a while, he said just let them read, 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 and that they will test out still better than the average. And if you think about how much science and history and and narratives are in books. Exactly. You know, and um, if yeah. you have a love of reading, you, you you learn to read and write, you know. And you learn, and you pretty much encounter some historical or scientific uh, strains yeah, anyway, so, yeah. maybe. And I, I mean, I did take AP history and I passed that class yeah, you did. in high school, so I wasn't, just, you know, affected by that. AP Bio, I didn't pass, but AP Bio was pretty hard. Yeah, so. I'm sorry, I sucked nope. at science. I hate no, it's okay. AP Bio was just hard, and I'm not a science-minded person, but... <laughs> Do you know when your, bro- your brother got the interview with Apple and he had never had a, any college experience except for what he got in the mission field, they asked him about the polarity of batteries, the first phone interview. And he said, I really don't know. And they said, wow, okay, well, we'll tell you later or whatever. And he thought, he called me and he goes, mom, you never taught me that. <laughs> It's your fault. You know, you know, my job interview, my chance with Apple. But anyway, he's working at Apple. But yeah. Um, well, and you know what? I think reading helps secure um, emotional intelligence, which can help get you a job. Yeah. In general, and then you just you know study that stuff on your own if you really want to like learn more about yeah. battery polarized whatever. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and luckily they recognized his other talents yeah, exactly. And, so. and Mikey's great with people, so it yeah. really helps. But um. yeah. So. Okay, we were talking about um, where you're at now with spirituality mm-hmm. earlier today. And remember, you get to be 100% you, no pressure, <laughs> just because I'm mom. Tell me the truth. I got a big shoulder. <laughs> but um, I'm sure, you know, what I love about spirituality in our journey is it's not static. It's ever changing. We're ever growing. We're learning. We're getting more light on some things, realizing certain things don't fit us anymore. I mean, it's not just this one stuck place. Even people that don't believe still think and wonder sometimes about other things or try to figure stuff out. Or what I love about David Smalley is he had this little window open in his brain. Show me. You know, I'm still open because if I'm not open anymore, you know, so I don't really think it's static for anybody, even though they like to say sometimes it is. 
but yeah where do you see that you're at at this point in your life um at this point in my life i would maybe identify as like soft wiccan i okay. suppose i would say um in that and that kind of came about because in college um in college i took a philosophy class but i actually never doubted the existence of a deity I, I personally didn't. I mean, a lot of people are challenged by philosophy classes to just, it decimates their whole view of God. Um, what happened, though, was that I became very resentful of the patriarchal nature of Christianity, and I resented the fact that I think when I say God, God itself is is, mas is masculine or has been cultured as a masculine term. So I resented that. I resented that when I think about God, I think about a masculine figure. And, um, and Jesus, too, is, is a male, obviously. And the Holy Spirit is kind of androgynous, but it's still kind of a guy. So, I mean, I just resented that because I find a lot of power from other women. I find a lot of power from the sacred feminine. And so I um, kind of started, I started like research, like doing like some tarot cards, and, like researching like some like Wiccan books. And um, I found out that, you know, one of the things, you know, that they're, one of their creeds is, you know, do what you want, um, as long as you don't hurt anyone. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. And so I think that that's beautiful because it's, and that includes yourself too, so they don't believe you know that, that self harm should be a thing. And also, like when it comes to witchcraft, if you're putting a spell against someone else, it's already going against the creed of Wicca, so it's not even really right. Wicca so itself. there's a lot of misunderstanding about Wicca. Yeah, and also what I like about Wicca is that there's like a lot of different. You basically, it's very. It seems very personal from what I understand. I say soft Wiccan because I'm not incredibly well researched, so I'm not by any means an expert. But I like that you can sort of pick the um, goddesses and I icons or gods that you identify with it that you like most yeah. and I like that a lot um, and so it seems very it's very personal and spiritual and like I um, it's, well it's very personal um, so can I bring up two points about that yeah um, I read an article once I think it was in a Christianity Today magazine or something but they were saying that the reason why a lot of women are turning to Wiccan that the Wiccan religion after being a Christian mm -hmm. is that the Christian religion kept women so down and that there was such an attraction for feeling empowered and I find that really I, I, that makes sense mm -hmm. and it makes me sad because I feel like Jesus's thing was in you know there is no male nor female nor no Jew nor Greek and then also I believe that the Holy Spirit in the scriptures is always a nurturing influence almost like the feminine side of God like I don't believe God is male. I believe it takes male and female to reflect his nature. But if you look at the attributes given to the Holy Spirit, they are a nurturer, a comforter, yeah. um, like a hand covering over her chicks or, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I, no, I agree that the Holy Spirit to me, even though they never really say the gender, I do believe that the Holy Spirit always seemed to me like more of the feminine influence yeah. in yeah. the Trinity. And of course, God said there's no, you know, male or female, Jew or Gentile, but I mean, he's he's a male. He came to the earth right. as a male. Yeah, you know? I get that. And for me, I'm just I'm just I'm one of these people. I'm kind of hung up on details. Maybe it's yeah. the Virgo and a lot of my some I have a lot of Virgo in my astrological chart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Virgos love details, but there's something about the details of something that matter a lot to me. So even though I know women like yourself, a very powerful, great Christian, who you know who believes in God and Jesus, and it is not bothered by their maleness. That doesn't bother you. That's fine. But just to me, it does bother me because yeah. even though I know he's not, it's still like I say he, and in my mind I see he, and that's like I just don't like that. So yeah. I do find you know, and also I just I for most people, for most people, I would assume that your deity looks like you. You know, if you're if you're a black male, I don't really get why you would find power in Jesus. To be honest, yeah, because at least not white Jesus. Like you. Well, not yeah, not white Jesus. Right. White Jesus really doesn't exist. True. Sorry. So I can correct it by what I'm saying. Like the traditional aspect yeah. of Jesus, yeah. the certain pictures I see. If I was a black man, I would not. Right. I would reject that because it's like, how am I going to draw power from from you if you don't look like me? But that's just the way I think about spirituality. It's like it's you've got to basically find. It's it's for like spirituality maybe or like Wicca is for people who find power in icons who look like them, maybe like an aspect of yourself that you want to be or like something to attain. Yeah. That's how I kind of think about it. But I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But um, but I do believe in a in a deity, and I choose to see that deity in a physical form as the goddess, even though I know that I I mean I would guess that the deity has no physical form. It's I mean, this grand energy. I also think I kind of still think it's true that you know the deity is a diamond, and we see different facets of it. We call it by a different name. Mm, that's beautiful. I like you know, that. I, yeah. I, it's not mine. I sold it somewhere years ago. But I do like that m metaphor. I think that's a good metaphor for how we see. Can I tell you something? I stole. Tell me, tell me something. I stole. <laughs> I haven't watched The Shack. Everybody tells me to. And per personally, the reason I didn't watch it is it's a book everybody told me to read as a Christian. And then I kind of 
this rebellious nature, maybe you got it from me, but if everybody tells you to do something, I just assume I'm, I'm too much a rebel, I'm not going to like it. But then the mainstream church rejected it, the book, so then that made me want to read it, right? <laughs> of course. But then I didn't get time, and then the movie came out, and I didn't see it yet. Um, I just heard you need a whole box of tissues to watch it. But in the in it, God is a black woman. Did you oh, know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. But in it, I heard that the guy asks her, God, um, is it true all paths lead to you? And I guess she says, no, a lot of paths lead nowhere. But it's true that I will follow any path to find you. Well, I thought that was kind of beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I, I like that. I thought that's that kind of worked for me. Um, and it kind of fits scripturally with me, you know, how God's reflected in nature. You know, how do people know there's a God? And then there's a scripture that talks about they'll be able to tell by nature, you know, um, that you don't even really need that a person tell us that it's on our heart, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, Earth, Earth itself is kind of, it seems miraculous, even though it's, maybe it's not, maybe there's something like us in another galaxy, we don't know. But I mean, there's so many beautiful, amazing things yeah. to witness, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have, we do have a line of rebellion in our family. I mean, Grandpa's sort of rebellious for yeah. who he is, right? Yeah, and then, you yeah, know, he was original, like, hippie, you know, right. Jesus hippies in the 70s. Right, and then to and to him, you're kind of rebellious because, yeah. you know, you marry yeah. gay couples, which is not something he yeah. do necessarily. Yeah. Right. Um, and then to me, I'm rebellious because I just did a photo shoot with Lucifer and Adam and Eve, where Lucifer right. was was the, was a light brainer. Yeah, I haven't and even totally told no. anybody about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late now. Well, anyway, okay, so, okay, so, well... It's my, it's, it's my way of like understanding and playing with with the Bible's stories, and I'm, yeah, I don't know. And I and I was and I was gonna do it, and I was like, ah, oh, my family don't like this, and I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not making fun of the crucifixion. I'm not making fun of anything. I'm just saying, what right. if it had happened a different way? And it's, right. and it's a vision I had, and so I'm following my creative vision. But I mean, for me, um, spirituality doesn't matter. But it's something like most of my friends, I don't know what they believe, and like ninety percent of them, I don't really know. And we when we do talk about it, it's very rare. So you don't talk about faith, the matters of faith with your friends often at all? Not really. It's more like, not not really. It's We talk about art, we talk about ideas, we talk about plans and people and projects, but we talk about creativity and expression, and we, we do expressive creative things together. Um, the closest thing to church, I think, for me is when I would, you know, when I write with people in cafes, write poems with these 10-word exercises, and that kind of makes sense because I did that at church a few years ago. So yeah. it's not only yeah. just that... Yeah. Creativity could be my church. It's also the sentimental atta sentiments attached to it. Yeah. And also I feel like it's a church after I direct photo shoots because I'm making a vision come to life with other people and it's collaborative. Yeah. And it's nurturing, it's encouraging, and we're there to make something happen and, and be spontaneous and express ourselves. Um, but when I do ask people around me, my friends, what they believe, it's usually either like they usually either say, oh, I'm spiritual, um, I believe there's an energy out there, and you know, I'm spiritual, or they'll say, I don't really know. And they just kind of shrug. So those are the two answers that I usually get. I have made some friends lately that are Christian, like a few young Christians, which I'm kind of surprised to run into because I don't meet a lot of them. But really, yeah, yeah interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, although I would say you probably met many from kids or young people that grew up in a Christian home, they just don't identify now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and and that's a good point. Like I don't ask about their past. I ask you what you believe now. Yeah. And then sometimes talk about their past, but I mean, not you know. Uh -huh. um, but it's but it's interesting because I work with a, a a woman who's Hmong, and I work with a guy who's from Laos, and uh, they're both American, but their parents are from those countries, uh -huh. and um, or sorry, he's from Laos and she's from um, I forget what country she's from, but she's Hmong, and uh, I I was telling my Laotian friend John, I was like, yeah, you know, like you know, Adam and Eve, he's like Adam and Eve, and I was like, yeah, and then the serpent, he's like, I don't know, I don't know the story, and I was like, it was a moment of kind of uh, I realized how much I take for granted the fact that everyone just knows Christianity and Christian, you know, stories. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, not true, and I shouldn't expect everyone to know that. So it was really interesting to explain the story to him. Yeah. Because when I was doing it, it was it was interesting because I get to tell someone that story for the first time. So that's kind of cool because, like, you tell them a new story. Um, and it was also interesting because I realized how, how fantastic it sounded. Yeah. He was, like, he came from her body. Well, he said something like, she came from his body. He's like, yeah, he was... And I realized how kind of fantastic it sounds. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying right. that's bad. I'm just right. saying it's 
weird to talk to somebody with fresh ears. Yeah. It's just a bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And when someone hasn't grown up in a Christian culture, and then we make assumptions that people have or haven't. When I was in uh, San Francisco for the first time, and I hung out with Mikey, and he lives in the Castro, and we went out with a lot of his gay friends, and uh, these, like, 30-year-old men, you know, techies, you know, worked in the tech industry in Silicon Valley, and I guess I just assumed a lot of them had grown up in Christian homes, because they were, you know, out and proud, and, you know, and it was, and ironically, the, you know, we called him Beyonce, he would be proud if I referred to him like that, he was like, um, Oh my god, I was homeschooled. My parents only let me listen to Carmen. I love Carmen. He was so hot. <laughs> and I was like, you know who Carmen is? You know, it was like crazy. And I just yeah. I made an assumption that he wouldn't that wouldn't be his background, you know. Yeah. And it's beautiful that that ended in a in a conversation where you can find out more about him and like he Yeah. You know, cuz yeah, cuz I mean, we can't help but make some we sometimes we can't help but make assumptions or it's just kind of encoded in yeah. us to put people into groups and to think, oh, okay, if you're out and proud and gay and Christianity doesn't really like gay people very much, well, then you're probably not yeah. from a Christian background, but, you know, it's there's all kinds of complexities and Oh, are. I had so much to learn, you know, and you'd think I would have learned so much already, and I think I have, but yeah, I yeah. remember walking with Mikey behind this gay couple, this male couple, and they were holding hands, and they were discussing the Quran versus the Bible, hmm. and they were like, but wait a minute, the Quran says blah, 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 and the Bible says blah, 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 and I said, honey, they're talking about spiritual things, you know, <laughs> and he's like, mama, their people are not just here running around trying to have sex with each other, and yeah. running around in the nude, he said, they're living life, they're making dinner, they're feeding their dog, and they're talking about the Bible and the Quran, I'm like, hey. Ah, you're right. It was just like, I don't know. It's just, I had this hyper view of the sexuality of people of different, you know, gender or whatever. And it was like, I didn't, I didn't have any proper perspective, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're humans. And if you're kind of sheltered Absolutely. away from people, if you're sheltered away from people of a certain population or a certain group, you, you, you will tend to just get, gather whatever the information from media. That's so true. And they tend to exaggerate and get yeah. people. And, That's why know. diversity is so Representation matters. Yeah. yeah, it completely yeah. matters because it shows the people watching it. I mean, Will and Grace is not perfect, but Will and Grace did open a lot of straight people up to seeing gay people as humans. That's yeah, true. So you could, you could, yeah. it has its flaws, of course, and the L word too, it has its flaws, but the L word helped open up people to lesbians being yeah. seen as people. So, yeah. I mean, representation certainly matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate how you've stretched me through the years, you know. You probably were the first child I had that stretched me, you know. Remember when you were like, you're so beautiful now, and you're a model, and you do all kinds of creative, artsy things, and you were always beautiful to me. Remember your face when you just wore, like, a camo, and mm-hmm. you refused to brush your curls out? Mm-hmm. It was the only time I got physical with you. Yeah, the only time you hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I wouldn't brush my hair dry, which now we know, because yeah, you we know more that I shouldn't do yeah, that, if I, you know. I know. But she got mad at me, because, you know. It's fine. It's cool. I cornered you in the bathroom. She cornered me with a hairbrush and she just like whacked me with it. Like not very hard. She just like whacked me. Like, why don't you brush your hair? I want to like, brush I don't your want hair. To. I don't want to. You don't want to brush your but hair. I know. <laughs> and now I know you don't brush dry curls. Right. You know, it's just not what you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so sorry. No, it's, it's okay. And um, and I mean, you. Every time I come home, there's this like. Um, I mean, you, you're. I tell people. I said my mom talks faster than me. If you can believe it, like do you really mom, think I, I talk faster? Talk I mean, the, I totally don't. The listeners will tell us, but I think that it's pretty I'm close. To think so. I, oh I mean, God. sometimes you do though. I've always thought you talk faster than me. We both talk very well. I tell people. I said my mom is very, very busy, very energetic woman. She's doing so much all the time. And also, when I come home, there's things that your mom tells me that I just can't. It's just not in my world. Like she's like, oh, I just, I just did this funeral for the person who committed suicide, and I just, oh, okay, oh, then I did that. All this heavy information of like heavy things that you do and I couldn't do that I couldn't do it so I really appreciate your heart for people because I feel like I have some heart for people it's definitely not the same way you do so I really appreciate the way that you um, nurture people it's weird the harder broken. stuff is easier for me I don't know why mm-hmm. you know I could rather do a funeral than a wedding mm-hmm. not that yeah. I want people to die or anything right. but people do die yeah and so and yeah. I'd rather be a positive encouraging representation and kind of like you know, what you were, how you said on the Dave Smalley podcast, talking about how terrible most funerals are because people. Oh yeah. So you want to be there to like. I like to beautiful. be the counter narrative. Yeah. You are. Yeah, I think you are. Well, somebody told me once that I was a destroyer of stereotypes. Hmm. And I, I, I think that's funny that in might, a lot of ways. That might be really nice. If, 
I don't know. <laughs> I think that you. I couldn't. I had to think if that was a compliment. You're like the goddess Kali. You're just destroyer and creator of stereotypes. Oh, yeah. No, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Um, you are destroyer of stereotypes in some way. I mean, you're a Christian woman who has tattoos. You're. Yeah, that ain't a big deal anymore. Though. Well, it was when you got them. I feel like. Like, I don't know. Been, yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, you've, you've been divorced. Um, that's not you, a big deal. Well, your Christian pastor who marries gay people. That's not even a big deal anymore. Okay, well, so then how, how would you say you are in sort of stereotypes? Tell me. Well, I, you know, the things I had a vision and a heart for, I think I had the vision and a heart before a lot of people did, before it was cool. Mm-hmm. I remember having the church at the bar, like, feeling like five years down the road, that wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. And sure enough, it's not, you know. Um, at the time, you know, it was national news or whatever, but, yeah. um, I would like to be a destroyer of the stereotypical way a Christian is represented or represents yeah. themselves. I guess in that way, that would be a wonderful compliment, mm-hmm. um, because I, I can't even identify with that anymore. Um, yeah, I think you're, I think that's, I, that's where I would agree with them is that you're a big destroyer of Christian stereotypes. I think that's completely yeah. true. You know, I think that's that's very true. But ironically, I do tend to stereotype people. <laughs> that's kind of why I left. But you know what? It's okay. I don't mean to. <laughs> My heart's right. I just say wrong things. You're a Sagittarius. You have no filter. Yeah. You don't run it through your head sometimes before you say it out loud. It's what happens. It's I know bad. your heart. We know. all know your heart. It's <laughs> I just hope I don't get fired. I teach two classes of intercultural communication. Yeah, when she told me that, I really laughed as well. But it's, <laughs> it's This fine. semester, here we go. Yeah. My last semester being a professor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you've gotten better at asking questions. Which yeah. is the most important thing if you feel like you are ignorant about something or you have a stereotype, ask a question then, you know? That's true. Instead of assuming. Right. That's so true. I feel like that's very important. But, um, yeah. So you don't feel like faith really matters too much. Faith in God. People aren't laying awake at night, a lot of people you know, worrying that God loves them or doesn't love them. Or... No, I don't think so. I think we, people, I think a lot of my friends... And what I've seen through researching, like, and just being on the internet and being part of Reddit and Tumblr culture by, you know, browsing around it, um, I am finding a lot of young people, because I try to find, you know, people of all ages who model for me. Um, I mean, one of the first things they ask you is, what are your pronouns? I got asked, it's one of the first things they ask you now. Some of these, like, 20-year-old people, because huh. it's very important for them, you know? Like, I yeah. want to respect your pronouns, but respect your sexual identity. So I think now, instead of faith grouping people together, I think it's identities, and I think that came by because of the internet yeah. because now I can if I go on the internet I can find people who um, who are you know it's a stupid example but like white women with curly hair or people with curly hair I can find different ways that we categorize ourselves more importantly of course it's sexual identity or it's um, maybe racial identity if you are of a of two different races your parents are you know are two different races and you feel like you're often ostracized because of that I can go on the internet and I can try to find people who feel like me or I could find groups where I can meet in real life and feel like that. We're grouping ourselves, I think, by identity more than, rather than what we believe. It's maybe what we are, um, how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we identify. And I mean, that's not, I haven't backed it up with statistics. It's just my general feeling from what I see. It is true. There's a group for everything though. Remember, cause I lost all that weight from chemo last year <laughs> and I told him which I hated my loose skin legs mm-hmm. and I just despised them. You were like, Mommy, look. And you took me to Instagram. And it was there's a whole thing for loose skin, people with loose yeah. skin after weight loss. It's yeah. like crazy. And I got kind of sick of it because I realized that, you know, I was trying to put myself in your perspective because, I mean, it is, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big person. And so I often forget, you know, take it for granted I'm not a big person. And if I was, what would I think about by all these bodies I see that don't look like mine? Yeah. And so I told... I told my mom, I was like, she stopped looking at these size two bitches. Like, yeah, look on Instagram, yeah. look at all these plus size Yeah, models. you did. You were giving me all these real heavy women that look like me. And I'm like, oh, honey, why are they doing that? They should not get pictures taken of themselves. It's terrible. Well, it's terrible, but it's been what, it's what you're taught to believe is a big one. Yeah. Like, you've been told. Like, I was taught to be ashamed of it. Exactly. So why would you, somebody else be proud exactly. of it? Exactly. You've know? been fed this narrative that I, my body does not deserve to be seen naked or even yeah. in lingerie or in a swimsuit. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't want to see this. That's what you've been told. Like you shouldn't see anything about my knee. Right, exactly. Right, and like that's changing. Yeah, and thank goodness. And like, I want you to see that, and I want you to be part of that movement and culture because it's very important. And it's very, it's kind of sad, you know, that people live a lot of their lives, maybe maybe before before this sort of plus size and body positive movement became a thing. People felt that way, and women still feel that way. Yeah, and I don't want them to. So every time, literally, most times when I meet if I meet a bigger woman, the conversation is opened up towards that. I refer them to my friends who are plus size models and say, please follow these people, look at these people for inspiration. 
you gotta look, you gotta, and there, again, representation matters. And every time I'm tempted to hate myself or whatever, or my, my body, I remember you always saying things like, Mommy, have you thanked your legs today for carrying you around? You know, Mommy, you need that body because it carries you, you yeah, know, and exactly. we're glad it's still here. And it's like, yeah, yeah you're right, you know. And it, when you get cancer, too, it's like, wow, it just changes everything because you realize what's important, you know. I want to be here. I never wanted to get old, right? Yeah. Being, being old was the scariest thing, turning 50. And then when I got cancer, it was like, no, I want to get old. Yeah. Please, God, let me be old, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate your encouragement there. You really are such an encouraging person. I, I would say that's probably your main gift. You're not a competitor. You're not somebody who wants to be out front. You are an encourager of other people's gifts. And that's beautiful. I mean, it really is. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I like to encourage people and I like to connect people as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Remember you said you were a Lego or something, right? Uh, actually, an artist that I beef with said that about me. Yeah. So I am grateful for that one thing you said about me. Yeah. Um, but, no, thank you. I try to nurture those things in myself. And, I mean, of course, that it's not hard to see that I can, that, you know, I get a lot of that from you, of course. I mean, you raised me to be that way. You were encouraging people always. So it's not... Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we get one body. When you know, when you had cancer and you were, you were... It was looking scary there for a while. You know, it's... It's so, it's so silly. Like, you realize... I mean, it wasn't me who had cancer, but you just realize, you know, indirectly, like, it's so freaking stupid to worry about my spider veins. It's so stupid. Like, yeah. I have one body. Yeah. I, I mean, this we don't have the technology yet to trade bodies with anyone, right? So it's like, what am I actually wasting energy feeling bad about myself for? Every single negative thought you send to your legs or your belly or your boobs, how is that helping your body? You're just, it's wasted, right. and, like, anxious, bad energy. So you shouldn't yeah. thank them. And you get one for one pair of feet in your life. They carry on every day. That's a big deal, you know? That's so true, honey. It's your really heart beats without even trying. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not, it's not a new message. That's just kind of what I, I've tried to boil it down to a few things to make people understand when I see them. But um, there's a lot of beautiful, inspiring people out there who are very open about their, about their lives and open about their body and open about their disabilities. And I'm not necessarily very open, but I do try to, like, refer people to these inspiring figures because there's a lot of people doing beautiful things in the world right now. Yeah. And it's a lot of ugliness, too, you know? a lot of places but there's a lot of beauty hmm. it's true so what would you say are some of the like the most defining moments of your life <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I would you know one of I would say that helped shape you the most like to the positive or negative I mean they could have been positive or negative moments I remember Josiah was dying on the bed and I was we all said bye to him he told us to say bye to him so he said bye kissed his cheek I'm sure I think I did that this picture of me doing that and then it was nighttime, I believe mm-hmm. and there was a hot the bathroom to the right of his bed mm-hmm. so I went to the bathroom and I remember praying to God to save him I made some promise like I won't do anything bad or whatever I don't know what promise I was 8 years old you know what I mean I don't know what it was yeah. and I said if you save him I won't do this or whatever mm-hmm. and uh I remember, you know, being so sure that he was going to die, you know, yeah. and then it didn't happen. And I always feel like that affected me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm not, I laugh because I remember something else. Something else completely. Um, I always feel like that affected me in a bizarre way. Like, even though I, I can seem, I am an encourager and I probably seem pretty happy and I am, but also I feel like I expect the worst pretty often. Mm. And I wonder if it's because... You had to deal with such heavy things. Well, yeah, and I did, and I was taught to expect the worst. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because I told you he was going to die. Exactly. So you told me he was going to die, but he didn't. Right. So then part of me feels like I'm always waiting for a pin to drop, Mm. which is not necessarily bad. I mean, really, I'm disappointed less because I expect less, maybe, or I expect bad things to happen. So I don't know. That's still created. I'm I'm still working through how that affected me, really, but I feel like that did affect me in an interesting way because most people, that doesn't happen. I think right. Josiah was a very rare case. Like, if you if you say bye to your brother, he he probably would have died in most cases, and then I would have dealt with that in a, in a mm-hmm. completely different way. It would have been very sad and very greatly alive. It's just weird. And then another <laughs> defining moment in a weird way was watching Josiah be born. I'm so sorry. It's okay. okay. It's okay. okay. No, I, this is not negative. Can okay, I, I preface this? It. Can I preface <laughs> this? Okay. When Bethany was... Which is size our fifth child, and Bethany, so he's born in 93. Uh, four years apart. You're four years. Yeah. Barely, like three and a half. Yeah. We were kind of um, naturally people, more natural. You know, we would have had him at home if we would have made sense, but it didn't make sense. And 
so I thought it would be a beautiful family event for you to be involved in his birth process. And I should have thought that three years old is too young. And um, the pictures are horrific because your grandma's holding you. And you were at that end of me. I mean, you watched it. Yeah, I was in the front. I wasn't behind her shoulder or anything. No, you were like at that end. <laughs> and the picture is you were just horrified. You were just like horrified. And then Ryan and Michael, I mean, they, I think they cut just size cord. I think Michael did, actually. Or Ryan had cut your cord and was in there. So we'd made our most of our births a family event. But I think you were too little. And, and then you were always had this... I thought weirdly abnormal fear of childbirth and I wasn't making the connections and then you were asking me I think when you were like in high school mommy is it bad if why do I keep having nightmares about birth childbirth I never want to have a baby I I am so sorry it's okay it's okay I'm still gonna have kids um me and my husband just section right (laughs) no I hope to do hope to have you know the natural way at some point uh in a few years maybe I remember like I remember being very calm like Mm -hmm. it wasn't traumatic but I'm sure it wasn't well, but then I realized I was like Josiah is directly related to my birth and death trauma. Oh, oh my god! I Which is why I kind of have a very complicated and that's not a complicated relationship with Josiah. I just sometimes yeah. it's just very interesting. I'm trying to work through that still. But those are a few defining moments in my life. Wow, <laughs> wow, and that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Um, How about yeah? And then our divorce. We got a divorce. Divorce. Yeah, there is. That's not really like a single memory. I mean, it's like a scattered yeah. memories of like I remember yeah. there was like Dad was crying and packing his stuff, and I think you were crying and moving furniture around. And I remember thinking, Why should we move furniture around? Now, of course, I understand that it probably helps when somebody leaves, or it's a nice way to like try to recharge the space. Or I mean, Aww. you kind of want to move things around if you know your oh, life's different. Sorry, no, it's that. okay. It's all right. No, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I so there that was kind of scattered, and then um, yeah, there was. You know, I remember there's a few moments in theater that really were great for me or that I really liked. I was yeah. like, yeah, I want to be a performer. I like doing this a lot. And, um, um, yeah. You had some great about. teachers that really believed in you mm-hmm. and your writing in yeah. high school and college and stuff. Yeah. And, um, I, I, one of the more recent ones, I guess, was I was, um, styling this poet that I really like. His name was Antler and I was styling him in the woods and putting, like, some makeup on his face and like putting his flower crown over his hair and he let it down his hair and he's like I haven't cut it since 1979 he's this kind of legendary Milwaukee poet and that was a really great moment for me because I just didn't understand I just didn't understand how this photo shoot that I series that I started it's just funny to see it grow into this thing that involves this, these poets I really love yeah and, and so. Antler was like friends with Ginsburg. yeah and he's a big deal and do so, you remember when I gave you the complete works of Ginsburg for Christmas one year I do yeah I and love you that cry? I do cry I remember yeah. thinking She's really weird. <laughs> I, that. I think you were only like 13 or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what 13 year old would love the complete works of Ellen Ginsberg? But you and Dad have always supported me. I think, even though even though half the stuff maybe you gave me or something. We didn't understand. Me, yeah. I thought it was weird, but you still gave it to me. So I've always appreciated that because you've always supported my creativity. And I talked to young people whose parents weren't like that or aren't like that. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. Remember when you took your dad to see Chuck Palmock read? And it was yeah, really that awful. was. Oh, God. <laughs> And he read his worst, like, short story, one of his worst short stories, Guts, and thank God it was in front of my dad the whole time, because oh I don't want to see his face afterwards. He's like, honey, they use really interesting language. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> totally did. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I remember you have a few claims to fame. You have, um, I was thinking the other day of our family's claims to fame, mm-hmm. or, like, our contact with famous people, mm-hmm. and we have quite a few, which is weird. It's true. But you were one of the first ones, um... You got an email from Anne Rice. I did. I Remember that? I she, do. She told you how Lestat was her soul. Yeah. Yeah. I said, thank you for creating the character Lestat. That's, uh, really speaks to me or something. She said, Lestat was my soul for a long time. Best or whatever. I don't remember how she yeah. said that. But and then you named your snake Lestat. I did. Then I lost it in the house for three months. Remember? And yeah. You really freaked then out. he came out of the furnace mm-hmm. when I was in the bathroom and right in front of me and it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And then I remember you, um... Okay, so you get an email from Anne Rice, and then Chuck Palmuck gave you that hand, that cut off. Yeah, that bloody hand. I still have. Yeah. So it's interesting that the people you met were um, writers. Yeah. And then you're a writer, so that that's really cool. Yeah, that's true. Um, Ozzy Osbourne with you. Yeah. And uh, Van Halen. Um, Did you meet Phil Collins with us? No, I was with you with Phil Collins. Eric Clapton. Were you there? No, I saw pictures of those. I think it was just Van Halen and Ozzy Osbourne, which is great. You know. Yeah. Cindy Crawford, but um. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Faith is faith is going through a transformation. I think as as a general 
I don't know. Faith is transforming, I think. Or it's just interesting to see how different generations are yeah. doing it. Kind of like, kind of like what you and David Smaller are talking about how you know it's a fact-checking generation because we have information so readily available to us yeah. in our phones. And so, yeah. and people do I think rely on logic more, mm-hmm. you know. But they're still open. And like, what makes sense to them, you right. know, is like I think really important. And that's why sometimes when we hold fast to things that really don't make sense logically, <clears throat> and we say that's who God is. And we, we put God in that little theological box. Yeah. Because this is what we've always believed and been taught. And then your generation's not willing to fit in that box. And they wait, no, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense to me. If we limit God to that, mm-hmm. I think that's a problem. And I, I personally believe that God is far bigger than any box we could ever put him in or totally. any book that would ever write about him. I think Rumi and Hafiz have more revelation about the nature of God than maybe some of the New Testament writers, you know? Yeah. And so they captured, you know, the beauty and the, some of that stuff just resonates so deeply with my spirit. It's like, it feels like church reading that stuff. Right. It feels like freedom. It feels like unhinged love. Yeah. You know, it was just what it, you know, if, if if God is is real, then it should be that, right? It should be like love unhinged, you know? Absolutely. And so beautiful. And we, well, I always say this thing, if God is love, that God is love and if he ceases to love he ceases to be God mm. and I know I don't really have theology to back that up but I know I've been told my whole life God is love mm-hmm. so if he you know ceases to love it ceases to be God so that's kind of my measuring stick for myself mm-hmm. and the scripture also says that love never fails yeah. and I really believe that and I you know what does fail is when we stop loving you know, why did I get a divorce, you know, with your father? Why did your father and I divorce? We stopped loving. You know, why did things fall apart? People stop loving. And they, that fails. Yeah. But, you know, loving love never fails. And um, it's a constant battle to walk in love and, you know, to, you know, do what's right. Which, yeah. to love people, you know, in the best way. And, and that doesn't mean just giving them a free pass and everything. Sometimes love is hard and tough and saying no. And you can't. And, you know, and I, that's really got confused for me growing up in Christianity. It was, what is love? What is God's love versus my love? You know, there's this little song we used to sing, Jesus and others and you. That is the way we spell joy. Hmm. You know, but it taught me that. Jesus first, then other people, and then me at last. Yeah, that's kind of... And I think it really set me up to... If I would have better understood that God was in me, Mm -hmm. and that he lived inside of me, and I had to look inward, not outward, Mm -hmm. and that I had to love me first, because even, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you don't love yourself, you can't love somebody else, you know? And sometimes the focus is so outward... Yeah in performance or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You no, know? that's very true. It's, yeah, focused on maybe, like, works and some yeah, more, more yeah. toxic strains of Christianity are very focused on works for the wrong reasons. Yeah. For some sort of reward in heaven where it should be, you know, because none of us know what's yeah. going to happen afterwards. But I do think, like, love, you know, when it stops being love, it stops being God, I think that's a great marker for it. And, I mean, I think that's one of the things people love about you is that you have this um, loving, irresistible love energy about you. And it's just compulsive it's it's open you're very accessible you're very you know you're very an like, open book but I really um, I really feel like if I got to the end of my life honey and I died and there's nothing yeah. you know say there's nothing right I really believe that I didn't lose anything by loving people and believing that there was a God that inspired that inside of me and yeah. helped me do that and helped me love more perfectly I I don't think I would regret it you know I do regret my years I lived in fear right you know um, right. I do regret those years yeah and I don't think you you should you know I don't you know because yeah the fact is that not, none of us know what's gonna happen when we die we really none don't. Of us don't and so if it you know it doesn't make you whatever you know your, your belief system makes you a better person doesn't make you a bad person yours yours personally you know it makes you a beautiful person one of the things makes you a beautiful person shall I say and so yeah you shouldn't regret that at all and I mean I mean, I, I don't know. And also, honestly, when it I don't often, another reason I often don't ask people about their faith, their spirituality is because I don't necessarily think that logic and faith need to talk. I don't think that you need to have physical evidence for, you know, for your belief. And I think this is one of the points where me and, you know, some of my siblings disagree, but it's fine. I just don't really care if you have physical evidence 
don't care if it makes God. I don't care if it makes sense. What I do care about. Prove it. You don't need it to be proven. No, I don't need to be proven. That's what I'm saying. I don't need to be proven or disproven. Like because I don't feel like you can't either way. And I mean, and it doesn't really matter to me if you're if you're not toxic, if you're not if you're loving, and if you're not hurting anyone, Mm -hmm. and if you're not perpetrating hurt or shame or fear, then I don't have a problem with you. But I really, I feel like there will be a rise of different, different religions and like, I feel like there will be a rise of maybe some um, Hindu religions or, or, or of Hindu because Hindu has many different gods and some of them are sort of um, uh, multi-gendered. So I feel like multi-gendered mm. gods and deities of religions will be more revered or talked about in cultures that as the time goes on because yeah. people are more, um, people are, some, some people are non-gender binary or non-gender conforming. Um, and so, or gender non-conforming, I'm sorry, GNC. And so it's becoming a different world where people, and people want to worship or maybe believe in what looks like them. Or maybe we don't, I don't know. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, I notice sometimes when you get in a crisis situation, um, you call me, mm-hmm. and what do you ask me? Oh, I ask you to pray for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because here's what it is, I feel like, <clears throat> I often, not to your face and not around you, I call you a Christian witch. You do? I, I do call you a Christian witch. Do you yeah. call me a Christian witch? Yeah, I said, Mom's a Christian witch. To call her. Like, my friend, I was around my, my friend who's Muslim. I said, oh, she lost her key. She's freaking out. So I was calling my mom. I called my mom. And my mom. <laughs> I know. I you didn't Christian. even tell me she was a Muslim. No, I didn't. I just, just said, hey, said mom. pray for my friend right now, like, out loud. Yeah. You said, Mom, please I had pray. you on speaker. Yeah. You had me. You said, and you said, I have you on speaker, uh-huh. right? So I pray the way I know how to pray, my frame of reference. <laughs> yeah. You know, Father God, in the name of Jesus, yeah. blah, 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 blah. I just asked that, you know, you would find these keys for this girl. Yeah. And boom, whatever, right? You called me back or whatever. It took yeah. a while or something. Yeah. But, um, and you know, whatever. They may yeah. have been found anyway. But it was just kind of funny. Then later you said, oh, yeah, by the way, she was Muslim. I'm like, you yeah. could have told me that. I could have left out the father <laughs> But it's part. fine because I asked her. I said, or the Jesus part. Well, I yeah. just said God. That's fine. I just asked my friend. I said, hey, is it okay if my mom prays for you? You know, prays for me. She yeah. said, fine. She closed her eyes, I think, during the thing. She respected it. It's fine. Yeah. She was grateful that you put in the energy. So, yeah. yeah, I do call you because I feel like you're very powerful. Yeah. And you're my mom, so, of course, there's a sentiment involved. But yeah. you are very powerful. And, I mean, I often don't feel like there's a... I, I'm at a place where I don't feel like there's much of a difference between a spell and a prayer, to be honest. Mm. They're words put towards energy. an energy to make something happen. Yeah. For good. And I, so, I yeah. kind of feel that way about prayer. Because I don't yeah. really believe that I'm powerful at all. However... I do believe my intentional positive energy and ideas of well-being and my heart going out towards you mm-hmm. and you knowing about it is powerful. Um, That's great. Put it. Yeah. Um, when David Smalley and I was going to have that talk and I was really scared. I was terrified. And the philosophy professor was like, man, lady, you have balls. So I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. You have balls. He said, um, seriously, those atheists eat Christians alive. And I'm like, oh my God. And then he's like prepping me about Dostoevsky and bring up this. And I can't pronounce. Now I can pronounce Dostoevsky. But that day I couldn't say it was shit. Okay. And he's like, bring up Dostoevsky and, and tell him how God's not with us. Cause he's going to want you to solve the problem of evil. And I'm like, holy crap, Batman. I cannot do that. You know what I'm saying? And so I was terrified and I get home and the first thing I want to do, and David called me at five and said, I'm going to call you at seven or he called me at six or something. So I'm going to call you in 45 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a glass of wine because I'm ready to throw up. And I was really nervous. And my husband's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're going to be an idiot in about a half hour, right? And he was like, no. And I said, you know, Adam's a fairly new believer, a couple of years. And he was an atheist. And he really still has a problem with prayer because he's like, if God knows what I'm thinking, knows what I need, why do I need to pray or ask for it? So I don't know. We don't really argue about that. But I just respect that he doesn't pray. At loud, loud at least and so I said I know you don't pray but I need somebody to pray with me I'm gonna pray just hold my hand you know and so I hold his hand and I pray and for myself because there's nobody else there to pray for me and it was so precious honey not only did he not let me have wine he said he kept my hand when I went to pull it away and he's he prayed for me and he kind of prayed the way I prayed really and sweet. it was really precious it was like oh he loves me but I felt so, you know, free after that prayer. And I don't know what it did, you know, but that energy, yeah. when David called then, and it just took me a couple seconds, and I was just right into the groove, and it, it went great. You know, two and a half hours just flew by, and I felt really good. Um, 
I, I just I think that words have power. I think that's yeah. almost simply what it is. It's kind of like when you're really frustrated and you say the f word. Yeah. I, like something is released. You sure feel a little better. Good. It feels sure feels good. Feels great. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, words have power. And when someone says something to you like "I love you," or when they say "Screw you," yeah, words have power. That's why just thinking, I think, thinking it to yourself isn't as powerful. Whether it's a spell or a prayer, you know, yeah. I don't feel like. And so, yeah, I just feel like there's not much of a difference. We just have different rituals involved, and there's different like you know flavors around it but i mean i think essentially it's you're talking to an unenergy to for um like a transfer or like you want something good to happen yeah you know now i think asking for something bad to happen i think that's bad no matter what and religion or energy you align to i think yeah. you shouldn't ask you know oh i've heard many curses in church wow you know really you know, really oh yeah people being cursed or saying you know god hates this and if you're doing that you know and hell is hot. I remember being at a funeral once, and the pastor there happened to know that I didn't believe in hell. And he's walking, he's going back and forth, and he's being fine. You know, when, when preachers know me, and they're the one preaching, and I'm sitting in the audience, I swear to God, they radar right in on me, and they talk about things. And he said, and there's people here today that don't even believe hell is real. Hell is hot. <laughs> and he looks right at me, and I'm like, wow, dude, we are not that subtle, you know. But it's yeah. okay. It's all cool. Yeah, it's, you know? I mean, you say I'm the first one is going to be famous, but then you're the one who said, uh, who's had, yeah, who's had implied. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just have very powerful things said about you. And you're, you're yeah. a big, so you've been a big threat to people who work off of fear. You're yeah, because to people. fear yeah. is is fucked up. Pardon my French. No, you know it is. I mean? yeah. It's not part of God. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Right. So if God is love, fear has no part of it. Mm-hmm. And if you know, I want you to love me because you love me, not because you're afraid of me. Right. And if we're afraid of God, of course we run. Yeah. You know, you only obey long enough till you get old enough and you can be on your own, right? Right. And then you stay away from that person that scares you. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. And so I just really... Well, again, about the Doctrine of Reconciliation, you, I mean, I think you aligning with that and believing, kind of finding that truth for yourself and for a lot of our family, I mean, I think that was was an example of you searching. And so I think that's why I felt... You were a pivotal age. You were a pretty pivotal... Like, you were like 10 or 11, you know, so it was pretty... We found that stuff when you were young enough to to glean from the positiveness of that. That's true, I did. And then also, I think having that as a model made me feel not ashamed at all about searching yeah. later. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I think we all, yeah, like I said, me and Grandpa, we're all rebellious in our own ways. And, yeah. of course, the generation before is a little misunderstood, but I think if you communicate, it's very important to communicate with people who are not your age. You know what I believe in the end, I, don't, I hope this doesn't offend you and we should wrap this up, but in the end, this is what I believe about my kids and their belief system, okay? I believe that if what you believe is wrong in any way... If what you believe is not right, if what I believe is not right, I believe that God is big enough to show me that, you that, Ryan that, whoever. Um, If my faith really isn't in you, honey, or me, or Ryan, or anybody else, I believe that if God is real, he's the one just walking alongside of us on our journey. And it is that. It is a journey. We are, I'm a different person today than I was last week. Mm-hmm. I'm a different person today than I certainly was 20 years ago. Yeah. And I am a different person 10 years from now than I am today. So for me to judge you by what you think today, or even to be harsh on myself, I'm really limiting the bigness of God in my life. I believe that God manifests himself to every person. I do, whether they see it or not. And I don't worry about it. And I don't mean that in a condescending way, but I mean, like, I could freak out that you think you're wicked, or that you're wicked, okay? Or I could say, well, that's where she's at, and that's what she thinks, and... Yeah, and, and, yeah, and I think another part, of, of course, that's part of it, and I, I think that that's um, a beautiful way for, for parents and anyone to deal with that when they have a difference of a belief with someone they love, is to, is to kind of just trust that they're on their journey and also but you're also looking at who I am as a person I think that you've seen that what I believe doesn't negatively affect me like it doesn't no. it hasn't made me worse it hasn't made me bad no you know like you're and, one of the kindest people I know thank you well you know, know I get it from you I think but I mean I don't and I'm not saying it hasn't made me like bad you know that's a silly word it hasn't made me mean and it hasn't made me cruel right. you know I think that's what to look out for with people in your life if they have a different 
belief system has it made them a, has it made them a less kind person right. has it made them cruel because I know a lot sign. of Christians who are jerks but yeah. and I also know a lot of atheists who are jerks yeah okay they are just like arrogant and bitter jerks and angry and mad and I could say the same thing about right. anybody right. you know what I mean and when it comes down to it character matters you know how we treat people matters and I think whatever you believe it should inform your life in a positive way yeah whether it's not and that's what another thing I love about David Smalley is that you know when having the modest needs thing he wants to be that guy that isn't a dick to Christians he wants yeah. to be that atheist that has a dialogue has a conversation is willing to talk and be this destroyer of a stereotype you know and I think we need that in all aspects. I think God needs a representation in every political and religious landscape that there is. Whether it's Islam or he wants to reflect himself in every group and who he is in his nature and his character. In every group of people. Yeah. And he needs rep- representatives. That's why you see people, you know, coming out of the strangest places that are having this awareness of It's just, I also don't feel the need to convert anybody. You know, I don't feel like I'm that powerful or that it's my job. Well, I think, you know, it doesn't work. I, of course it doesn't right. work, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I'm a be- person. I'm just a woman. And I also, just like I can't solve the problem of evil, I also can't save your soul. No. You know, so. And, you, and, you know, and you've got a, you know, and, and also the private doctrine of reconciliation helps inform yeah. your belief that God will find you. Yeah, like it really let me not worry about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. If, if, if Jesus really was successful on the cross, then he did it. Right, because be, if, yeah. a, if Adam was powerful enough to curse us all, That's right. should, shouldn't Jesus have been powerful enough to save Absolutely. us all? So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing else makes any sense to me. Yeah. So, and I mean, I tell people about, I tell my, I tell my friends about that, about, about any faith. So if it comes up, I tell them, yeah, yeah mom believes in doctrine of reconciliation. They don't know what it is. I tell them. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. so. That's interesting that that sticks with you because I don't even think about that much anymore. It's come such a part of my background of my faith. Like, it's kind of like the backbone. Yeah. But I don't really think about the details of it. And that's, well, and well I if it's a big deal. I mean, yeah. especially if you're not a Christian. If you're, right. if you're not a Christian, get a negative view. And if I tell you my mom's a Christian pastor yeah. who marries gay couples, which is, it, I, say, I say that because it's different than most Christians right. I know. Right. And also believes that she, Jesus did, did the work that he should have done when he went to the cross. Right. That's a big difference from mainline Christianity. Yeah. And yeah. so when they think of a Christian now, they know of, they know that literally in my family, I have somebody who is, breaks that stereotype of what a Christian is. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I kind of swear a little bit when I meet people. Yeah. I want them right away to know I'm not typical. Yeah. You know, I kind of do it as a test. And if it's offensive to them, then I, you know, I try not to do it if right. I know it would be offensive. But um, sometimes I throw it out there just to see how religious we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like totally. what I'm dealing with or it's whatever. It's like a little test. Yeah. yeah. A little, yeah. Not in a mean way. But no, I know. Thank you, darling girl. I love Thank you, Mama. I'm so glad we went this talk. I think it was a success. You are my first Same. one. That's amazing. I'm very, very honored. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think we're to Milwaukee now. <laughs>